Fit and Fizzy is a podcast hosted by Megan and Brandy. We are two moms who are sharing our experiences and realistic advice on healthy motherhood. Enjoying humor and a cocktail along the way. Hey guys, so first let me just say that this episode might be a little bit different. We have invited one of mine and Megan's very best friends in this whole world on to share her story today. We are so excited to have our dear friend Lisa Coop on this episode of Fit and Fizzy. We are three health coaches um, and there was a retreat happening way back during COVID when only what y'all like 10 just 10 of us. Yeah. Could get together. None of us knew one another. Like since we all met, I think that we have text one another (laughs) every single day, us and also our dear friend, Britt Mollett. So when I say that our friendship developed, I mean, did it develop? Like it's just the most beautiful friendship. And we're so thankful that we have you in our life, Lisa. I am so grateful for you ladies. Anyone listening like these girls have been with me through so much since we met in 2020. And there will just never be enough words for how grateful I am for you guys. Um, I also want to start off by saying that I'm so excited to be here simply because y'all are my besties and I love y'all so much. I'm so honored to be on Fit and Busy. Um, But one thing that I have held very tightly to during this difficult year is that there will be purpose in my pain. And a lot has happened this year that I don't understand. I may never understand it, but I firmly believe that there is a reason I have been given this story. So I'm just very grateful to you guys for giving me this opportunity here on your platform. Lisa, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, I've seen you really take in your story and you're starting to share with others and you've really been instrumental in, you know, helping others see the other side. It's like you've been faced with a huge mountain in front of you and you're helping women see that there is something on the other side. So tell us a little bit about your family and like what led you here? So first, uh, just a little bit about family. We I have been married to my husband, Michael, for over 15 years, and we live at the beach in Gulf Shores, Alabama, which is a lot of fun. Um, More to come on that in a minute, but we have four daughters, and they range from 12 years old all the way down to 10 months old. So (laughs) we are busy. We love every minute of it. Um, A little bit of background. 2022 was a big year for the Coop family. I We got pregnant with our surprise blessing, Miss Eva May, who, okay, this is funny. She is actually partially kind of named after Megan. I didn't even (laughs) think about that. (laughs) Sorry for another day. But yes, so Eva May came along. um, You know, I was pretty shocked to find out at almost 37 that I was pregnant again. Obviously, I was as equally elated and excited, but it was a big change. And as if adding a fourth child to the family um, wasn't exciting enough, we also decided, hey, let's pick up and move our family down to the beach um, while my third trimester of pregnancy. So that is how 2022 went for us. It was a lot of change. It was a lot of positive change, but it was a lot of change and adjustment. Um, so that was all a little crazy. 
It was also a lot of fun. Uh, Even through the chaos, I truly was living my best pregnancy, my most enjoyable pregnancy I have had simply because of the tools and the knowledge that I had surrounding fitness and nutrition that I did not have during my first three pregnancies. Um, So fast forward to November 2022, um, I delivered a perfect baby girl with an easy delivery, perfect delivery. We had no complications whatsoever, um, none during the birth or after we went home. Everything was amazing. Six weeks later, I went in for my routine postpartum checkup. Like we all have, everything was great. I went ahead and just requested, I was like, hey, it's time for my yearly pap smear. Will you just go ahead and do that while I'm in here so I don't have to, you know, like come back and make a trip later? Thankfully, my OB agreed she got it done. So I'm like, thank goodness. You know, I left the doctor's office that day thinking, Thank the Lord. I got that checked off the list. I don't have to think about that until, you know, like another year down the road. Um, So we go back home. I was in the middle of my little newborn bliss bubble. And about a week, a week and a half later, I get the phone call from her just saying that the pap smear was actually abnormal. And um, there was it was showing a high risk of atypical cells. Lisa, I remember you sending a text message one afternoon that said that you had an abnormal pap smear, um, and you simply asked us to pray. Can you kind of walk us through that that process after the abnormal pap smear? Yes. So I'm going to be completely transparent and honest here. I was totally overwhelmed with hearing that news, even though that is not uncommon at all for a female to have an abnormal pap smear. Um, But hearing that at seven weeks postpartum was a lot for me. I mean, obviously, like I don't have a lot of sleep. There's a lot going on. Um, And I think she could, I think when she told me the news, she could sense that in my voice. And she was like, you know, you don't have to do anything right this second. But I could also so since, you know, there was a sense of urgency about the way she was delivering the news. Um, do not recommend this, but just because of the way I was feeling and everything going on, I did put it off longer than I should have. But in February, I finally went in and I had the biopsy and the biopsy of those, what we thought at the time were precancerous cells. Um, they came back with the news that those needed to be removed. So not It's not the news I wanted to hear, but our thinking was even with the doctors were like, okay, we'll go in, we'll have this surgery. I mean, it's a surgery, but it was a quick outpatient surgery. So nothing like too crazy. Um, You know, we're like, we're going to, we'll go back there. We'll get this surgery done. We'll take off the quote unquote bad cells. And then we'll see you back in three months and check you. And that'll kind of be like a done deal. And that's kind of the mindset that everybody went into, including the doctors. Um, Unfortunately, three days later after that surgery is when I got the phone call and it was eight o'clock on the dot. Um, Monday, March, it was March 20th of this year. And that's when I heard the words, I'm so sorry, but you have cancer. Lisa, you have a nursing background before Fast Array, before coaching. You were a registered nurse. You speak this language very well. You have been the epitome. When I say the epitome, you've been the epitome of health for so long. Um, And so it was shocking to me that, you know, someone who is so healthy, that something like this could happen. Um, And I have to say, like, what kept running through my mind over and over again is little Eva May, she saved your life. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, would you have gone to go get that pap smear at that time? Who knows? But the fact that you went in just for that six week checkup, and then all of a sudden, you know, this ball stops rolling, I I fully believe that she saved your life. 100%. 
I've said so many times, I was like, she's like our little miracle baby because I have always, always like got all of my checkups. I've never missed checkups, but just the season of life we were in, the fact that we had just moved, I didn't really have set stone doctors. Like just for those reasons, I absolutely think like if my OB would not have agreed to do it that day, I would have put it off longer than it should have been. Just not because I really wanted to, just because of seasons of life. And that's what happened. You know, like we're all busy and we all just want to be like, oh, we'll do it next time or we'll push it off. And that is the one scary thing about this and my situation. I had zero symptoms. Absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing felt off. Nothing at all. I had a perfectly healthy pregnancy at 37 years old. I had a beautiful vaginal birth, no signs of anything out of the ordinary. I mean, nothing like no doctors, anything picked up on anything, but I actually had a four centimeter cancerous tumor on my cervix at that time that was not there one year prior to that. Um, So this is where I would take my time. And also because of my nursing background, that just plays even more into this, but where preventative care is so important or not only preventative care, but early detection as well. Mm -hmm. And this is where I'm going to step in and tell you ladies, get your yearly checkups. Like I know it is not something that we look forward to and it is not fun. But one thing I can absolutely promise you is that 60 seconds in those stirrups is a whole lot easier than going through chemo and radiation. Megan may remember this, but I immediately that day called my doctor because I'd been putting it off and I went and got like, I was like, I'm going to go get a pap smear. And I remember texting Megan and Brett. I'm in the parking lot, ladies. I'm going to go get this done. Please also go and get this done. Do you remember that, Megan? You said, Megan, when's the last time that you've gone? You need to go. Um, because that's something we had discussed for a while was me putting that off. And I think so many women do, Mm -hmm. y'all. So Lisa, thank you for that reminder. People think about it, but I think we just put it off because we're like, oh, it'll be fine, you know, if we do it six months from now. (laughs) So Lisa, can you talk to us a little bit about the process with treatments and how, how that, what that looked like for you? Yes. So it was really, really hard. And that's not something that I want to sugarcoat or really can sugarcoat. Um, Gosh, I mean, those weeks were just really hard. Thankfully, going into it, I was in pretty good shape physically. Um, I mean, obviously, I was still recovering from having a baby. She was four months old when I was diagnosed, but I did not start treatments until she was six months old. Um, That was just, that was a personal decision that I made. And that is when I started the chemo and the radiation. And I felt like my body was the best it could have prepared physically, you know, given that I was so soon after having a baby. And honestly, I thought that that me taking care of myself was going to help me power through those treatments so much better than I actually did. Uh, (laughs) Actually, I wouldn't say I powered through at all. I, um, I literally was just surviving a lot of days, but I did it. It was seven grueling weeks of radiation. I had to go every single day to radiation. Um, It was a two-hour drive round trip with a baby who hated a car seat. Um, I mean, it was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I was super sick. I was so very weak. And literally, all I could do was lay in bed all day. I would go to my appointments and come home, and I was just in bed all day. Emotionally, it was even harder than physically. I missed my husband. Mm-hmm. I missed my girls terribly. I was felt like I was missing out on so much of their lives, um, especially the baby. You know, babies at that age, they're growing and developing and doing new things almost every single day. And I was missing out on all of that. And 
truly every day I cried and I told my husband, I was like, I can't do this. I'm quitting. I'm, I just want my old life back. I want to be a mom again. I want to do all my normal things again. What kept me going was I, and he would tell me this all the time. And I knew this, um, I didn't want to hear it, but I did just have to keep telling myself. And even you guys would tell me, you know, in text, like you're doing this and you're going through all of this now, and you may be missing out on a little bit now. Um, but it's, so you'll be here for them longer. You'll be for here for them, you know, to see them get married and have children of their own. Well, now I'm crying. Yeah. So Lisa, it sounds like things changed drastically in the dynamic of your family from having to drive so far every day and really like it was all consuming. And I remember you saying that you just wanted to hold your baby and radiation kept you from that at times. Can you talk a little bit more about how it changed things for you through your postpartum and, and you and Eva May? Hearing that I could not hold my baby at times, which thankfully um, there are times when you get certain radiation that you can't be around anybody, especially children. Um, thankfully, that wasn't the case with the daily radiation, but that with the chemotherapy, um, I am, this is where I might get emotional. I'm a big breastfeeder. I've nursed all of my girls um, over a year to two years long, like just just it's just something that's very special to me. And with the chemo, I could not nurse her any longer. And also she's my last baby, you know, like she was a surprise and she was a blessing, but I also knew that this was absolutely a hundred percent the last time I would do anything like this. So uh, hearing or, or coming to terms with the fact that I had to give up nursing was honestly harder for me than even hearing that I had cancer. Like that's how important it was to me. And you just feel like, or I felt like something really, really important to me was, it was completely stripped away from me. It was, I was robbed of that. And that might sound dramatic to some people, but to me, that was a really, really big deal. Um, which is the reason why I got diagnosed in March and did not start treatment until May, mm -hmm. because I... I had to do research on my own. I had to process things on my own and on my own time. And it also gave me a little bit more time with her in that way. And I probably will never have closure, honestly. Um, but it, it did help, you know, to kind of close the door in a little bit less forceful way, so to say. Um, so, yeah, that that changed. That was the hardest part of this journey for for me. I have to say that I didn't see you as a mom with the other three, but I've seen you with Eva May, and I've seen her smile when you walk into a room and I have seen her just filled with joy. And I can tell you that little girl was, is not lacking for anything. No. Like you would never know that the dynamic was changed from her because she is just pure joy and happiness. And she is definitely a mama's girl through and through. So I know that it was a really hard decision to make, but I got to tell you that little Eva May, she is just ready to roll and she just seems so full of joy. So she is a super happy, crazy, resilient, you know, all children are just so resilient. And I am so grateful for that. And this is, I'm, this is, I did not plan on sharing this, but this was such like a monumental thing for me. And this has, you know, like my faith is, was every, I mean, it's important to me, obviously all the time, but it truly got me through this. And I had a friend come over one day and pray with me specifically through the breastfeeding situation because that was the one thing that I was like 
was not going to get treatment over just because I didn't want to quit breastfeeding. And she was like, you know, like this doesn't make sense. And I don't know why the Lord would ask wh- why he would take that from you because it's a good thing. He, she said, but I do know what she said. I know you're a faithful person. Like you've asked for prayer. You are praying. So I know you are faithful, but this might be a time where you have to physically trust in him. Mm-hmm. And the difference between faith and trust is that when you trust the Lord, you are physically giving him something. And that was the moment for me. It didn't make it easy and I still didn't want to do it, but that was a moment for me that changed it. And um, I was able that, I don't know, it was kind of something tangible that I was like, okay, Lord, if this is what you're asking me to do, I don't understand why, but I do know that I have to trust you. And this is my physical way of being able to do that and then letting him carry me through because that was before I started treatment. So, you know, probably like a week before that kind of gave me the little extra push and strength and faith and hope that I needed that if he was going to carry me through that part, he was going to carry me through the next eight weeks that I was about to go through. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. So Lisa, we are several weeks outside of your treatment. Um, How are you feeling now? I see a glow. I just see you coming back and it just makes me so excited for what's to come for you. So how are you feeling? I feel so much better. I, I see myself coming back and it is so encouraging because I know what I like what I looked like and what I felt like just a few short months ago. And I had so many days that I thought I would never, you know, like feel the way that I do now. So I am just so grateful. I have a long, long road ahead of me. You know, I, it's going to take a long time to fully recover, build back to where I was, but I am truly unrecognizable today. Like if you compare me today to me three months ago, I'm unrecognizable. I mean, 10 weeks ago, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you I could not pick up my eight month old. Like I was just that weak from being so depleted and everything. And today I've been able to lift like 40 pound dumbbells again. So I am just incredibly grateful for where I am today, you know, not focused on what I have left ahead, but just being thankful for the progress that's already been made. Oh my goodness. 40 pound dumbbells. That's amazing, Lisa. Not my armor. (laughs) Lisa, tell us how has your view on health changed? Complete. Well, I won't say completely, but my goals Mm -hmm. are definitely different. Okay. Um, Can you talk to us a little bit about your goals? Yes. So previously, you know, like five and a half years ago, when I really started to hone in on fitness and nutrition, my main goal was like most of us, like I wanted to look better. I wanted to lean out. I wanted to tone up. I was, I was postpartum with my third baby at that time. Um, back then when I started to focus on it more and there's nothing wrong with that at all, like whatsoever. And I still want to look better in all the things now, but Now my goal, my immediate goal is to continue to recover from not only chemo and radiation, but postpartum. I mean, I'm still less than a year out from having a baby (laughs) on top of everything else that's happened. So my immediate goal is just focus on refueling and giving my body what it needs, moving it in the way it needs to be moved and all of those things. But even 
past that, my ultimate long-term goal is now to keep my body healthy. Um, one that is able to be in the best condition and best prepared for anything else that might come my way in the future. And that doesn't necessarily mean another diagnosis or sickness. I just want my body to be prepared, even for just natural aging. We have women from all walks of life listening. Many will have to face a mountain like this themselves or someone that they love will. How would you, Lisa, encourage them today? I would say reach out and connect with someone who has been through something similar. Um, I can, It can feel very isolating to go through something like cancer because not everyone around you truly understands how you feel. You're going to have an army of your family's going to support you, your friends, your neighbors. People are going to come around you and they are going to support you and they are going to love on you but they are not going to truly understand your feelings and what you're going through. So having a person that you can connect with, that can just listen to you, that can assure you that your emotions and your feelings are validated can make a really big difference. Also, I would have to say it's important to have something that ground you. Um, for me, that was my faith. That may look different for you, but you need to have something that you can turn to in those really hard and those really dark moments um, that you can just come to every day, multiple times a day, you know, to just to kind of bring your mind back down and stop spiraling for lack of better words. And lastly, and this is what I'm trying so hard to like get out there is that there is life after a diagnosis. Um, you can absolutely pick yourself back up and you can restart again. There's no rules. There's no timeline on when you can restart. And it doesn't feel like that's possible in some moments. I get that, but it is absolutely possible. And if you or someone you know is in the situation, I would encourage you to, like I said, connect with someone or follow along with someone um, where who has already been through the battle and has come out on the other side. And because I know for me, watching others who have gone through it, that offered me a lot of encouragement and a lot of hope to keep going. Lisa, thank you so much for coming and sharing with us today. You know, we talk every single day, but to hear you share your heart in this way, it is truly like, I keep saying it's an honor because it truly is. And so thank you for trusting us to be able to come and share this story. And I know that it's going to land on the right ears. And I think someone needs to hear it. So thank you for sharing that with us. If someone wanted to connect with you, what is your Instagram handle? It is lisa.m.coop. If you type in Lisa Coop, it'll probably come up. And when the, if this happens to fall in the ears of someone that needs to connect with me, please don't hesitate to reach out or reach out to Megan and Brandy and, you know, they can connect you with me. Because like I said, there is purpose in this pain and I am here to help in any way. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when the next episodes drop and tell your besties. And thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys.